0: Hello everybody and welcome back to Eyes of the Mise. My name is John and Ian is unavailable this week because he had to uh, cover an emergency shift up over in Seattle at the army base. So you've just got me this week and actually instead of just talking about me, how about we go to a few interviews that I took during the pro tour weekend that I hadn't had the chance to put together yet. So first up, you're going to hear for my interview with the Sultan of Sultai, Brian David Marshall. We'll have a little bit of a break in between there to do a crack-a-pack with BDM. And then we'll close the episode with a conversation with the Regent of Rakdos of Magic the Amatory Maria Bartholdi. All right, I'm sitting down here with Ryan, David, Marshall. It is like two hours after the Pro Tour. How are you feeling right now?
1: Uh, tired, excited, um, you know, happy for a lot of my friends who did well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, already starting to think about the next one. Uh, looking forward to Montreal next weekend. Uh, excited to do a draft with my friends. And, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, just world of emotions.
0: Of course. Uh, of course. Uh, just a few short hours ago, Jerry Thompson won the Pro Tour. Um, that was that entire top eight though was just fantastic on all accounts I could tell.
1: Yeah, it was it was one of the one of the really like, you know, upper echelon top eights that we, we get to see at the pro tour. You know, uh, a lot of times you will look at the top eight a little right. bit before yeah, you know, uh, maybe two rounds to go, and you're like, wow, if we cut right now, this top eight would be absurd. <laughs> all these names, you know, and then those players beat up on each other for two rounds. Yeah. And then a couple of other players maybe haven't heard of, which is something I I love. I'm not you know saying that as a, as a detriment. I, I love when new players s- succeed, but you know seeing like people you know racking up multiple top eights, breaking through into the top eight for the first time after a very long career, like Christian Calcano. Yeah. Uh, Finally getting that win, like Jerry Thompson, it was just amazing
0: to watch. It, the finals had Jerry Thompson against Yuya Watanabe. Is it is it possible to pick against Yuya in any match when the state, when there's high stakes on the line?
1: You know, it's, it's really difficult to pick against Yuya. I mean, He was When we went into the World Championship a couple of years ago and last year and two years before that and um, you know we always ask the players who, who, who you're scared of I mean, you know it's a very short list of people that get named and you sort of repeated yeah. everyone and, and you use names just always name he's just such a formidable opponent um,
2: but I gotta tell you I, I had
1: a sneaking suspicion about Jerry uh, he's so unflappable I mean even though he admitted to a little bit of emotion there uh, in that, in that uh, match I think in the semifinals, that but He's so unflappable and, and has been doing this for such a long time and, you know, really knows the decks he's playing so well and so um, I, I you know, it's hard for me to, 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 to pick against Jerry also.
0: Yeah. Uh, speaking of you, he's in the Pro Tour Hall of Fame and one of your jobs is you are the Pro Tour Historian. Yes. What does that job normally entail?
1: Uh, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a it's, a, it's a little bit of a, a misnomer. Uh, you know because I'm not you know know, I'm not you know sort of keeping records of everything but what it it does apply to is curating the 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 magic the pro tour hall of fame it's not a magic the gathering hall of fame it's two very different things Um, and and that involves you know uh, you know some sort of stuff throughout the year in terms of talking about the hall and how it's moving forward but uh, it's really about putting together a ceremony each year at uh, the first pro tour of the new season and you know, going through and uh, you know taking a look back at all of these players' careers, careers uh, combing through photos—my <laughs> favorite thing. I mean, I, I, I'm you know I know it's supposed to be objective, but I've got my fingers crossed that I, you know we have a lot of electronic contact sheets for Pro Tours through the yeah. 2000s. But I'm really hoping we need to dig into the negatives and the slides <laughs> from the 90s for Chris McCullough this year.
0: Because he recently uh, uh, hit the pro point threshold to be eligible for the hall. Of
1: Fame. Yeah, I mean, Chris, Chris has Chris has, Chris has had a bunch of bad beats. Yeah, <laughs> uh, on, on Hall of Fame balloting, starting with you who's know, eligible in the first year, uh, missed by you know essentially a single vote twice, uh, and you know really really uh, overshadowed accomplishment-wise by a lot of people in that class, but contribution-wise, it, it's hard to. Uh, it's hard to overstate how important he was to the game and, and how important he was to being this voice that said, you know, this is a game that, that, that requires integrity. And, 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 which is not to say that it was like crazy, everyone was cheating, but someone standing up and just like demanding
0: uh, sportsmanship. Sport, well, not and just
1: sportsmanship, but, but, but also demanding that like rigor was put into play. You know, rig, there was some rigor about how tournaments were run. About how you know sealed product was distributed and handled, how drafts were recorded, how you know uh, all these sort of things that you know you don't always think about when you are making a game. Yeah. But then when you are you are taking that game and making it competitive, you know how do you close those loopholes and opportunities for people who might be less scrupulous right. to uh, to take advantage? Of. And Chris was a, a huge. You know, it's, it's easy to just sort of look the other way or be quiet and, and, and let the game take its course. But he he really, you know, stayed on message all the time about making the game this place where you we know, have the greatest minds could compete at the highest level.
0: So Bakula seems like almost a shoe in for well, this I, vote. Uh, but you know,
1: I, I you know well, I don't know. I mean, he again, um, he, his his numbers are not necessarily up to where where you want those um, numbers to be. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of people who vote now haven't seen him, don't really know him. They only maybe know him as a guy sort of, like, banging his head against the Grand Prix circuit with some success. But the guy you know, who
0: was on into the battlefield. Yeah, the guy who's
1: on, yeah, right, into the battlefield. But, you know, haven't seen him play, haven't, you know, and, don't, and certainly, certainly can't place him in the context of his uh, contributions to the game. Uh,
0: who else is in kind of the short list for players who are, like, might get in this
1: year. Well, you know, I mean, Joshutter Leighton has someone that we've penciled in. You know, I, you know, I, 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 you know, sort of. Oh, let me get these photos of Josh and put them over here <laughs> on the computer. Uh, let me. Oh, yeah, I should look for some old Josh Leighton deck lists on a Wednesday. You know, yeah. I'm just, oh, let me put those in this folder over here. Um, and I think I think Josh is, is someone that I, I think everyone. You know, you look at his numbers; he's got the, you know, the hot top eights. He's, you know, such a. Uh, A big part of the Channel Fireball story, which has dominated the you know Magic news cycle for 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 years now, Um, but I think you know there's a couple of other players. Martin user just got you know another top eight, and he's someone that a lot of people want to vote for again. Still, still a little short on the the PT top eight numbers by older standards. Maybe those standards are changing. Uh, Certainly. Has been one of the, the best limited players in the game, and I think you're going to see a lot more attention paid to him this year with that additional top eight. Uh, even Flock, yeah, is someone that uh, I have a lot of time for when I'm thinking about the Hall of Fame. Uh, he's you know he's a team world champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also a pro tour champion. He's got multiple top eights. He, he came very close to getting another pro tour top eight. Yeah, uh, just in, in Dublin, he, he just missed the cut, and. Uh, Boy, he, he's someone that you, you really do have to be thinking about when you're, you're going over your, your Hall of Fame candidates. Uh, you know, Chris McCullough, obviously, we have mentioned. Uh, I don't have the list in front of me, so of course. Those, are, those are a handful of players that, when you talk about this class, jump to the front of my mind.
0: Okay. Uh, this Pro Tour, like many, has a lot of very big moments. What's one of your favorite Pro Tour moments?
1: Favorite Pro Tour moments or yeah. one of your favorite moments from this Pro Tour?
0: Well, either or. I mean, this Pro Tour, I think, is it, is it hard to top? Christian Calcona making his first topic. It's
1: impossible. I've known Christian since he was a small child. He used to play um, other card games at my store, which is a store called Neutral Ground in New York. Um, And he's someone who was obviously very good uh, at those games and had a a quick mind and, you know, the characteristics that you start to see in people who are just going to be good at card games. And it's like, well, if you're going to be good at card games... (laughs)
0: <laughs> Let me just you really question I mean, you to...
1: you really, should really be playing Magic and like you know a bunch of Australians really dragged him you know like, yeah come on and he took to it like a like a duck to water yeah Uh and uh, you know it's just so exciting uh, to see him it was like really so funny like you know we have a he's on a, in our New York Magic community we have a draft mailing list and as uh, I'm talking to him <laughs> on the air it was a very emotional moment for both of us actually it was really I was I was surprised. You know I, I got almost very choked up uh you know by the moment and my phone is just like exploding uh, Yeah, just exploding and it's all just mailing list messages Yeah, you know, like cal oh, calculator <laughs> you know all caps like
0: everybody yeah. just screaming
1: so uh yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for me to top that okay uh, yeah
0: uh, moving on to the actual cards themselves. You've had an affinity for the Sultai colors. Uh, in fact, uh, I think you've been given the title more than once, the Sultan of Sultai. I what, know that
1: I've been given that title. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, I'm giving it to you now. All
1: right, I'll take it.
0: So what draws you to those colors that kind of just makes you feel like this is magic to me?
1: Uh, you know, I, I love cards moving between zones. Yeah. I've, I've always been fascinated by... You know, you learn the game in this very straightforward way. You know, I, I draw a card, I play a card, I play a creature, I attack. We do this, but like the idea of you know um, milling cards into my graveyard mm-hmm. that provides some sort of resource to me, um, growing cards back from my graveyard, drawing cards, um, you know, big giant creatures. Uh, it, it just it, it it sits right at this intersection of all the things that I have loved about Magic at various points of my career
0: yeah,
1: uh, yeah it's it's I'm about uh, CDC brute tyrant mm-hmm. commander deck that, that I play with a lot of time and it's you know Secretly or not so secretly, really a spider spawn draft deck that gives me uh, ninety nine cards. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, I, I I love it. I love playing cards out of my graveyard. I love regrowing cards. I love drawing extra cards. I love anything that's changing zones.
0: Yeah. You so uh, so Amoket, the graveyard block has graveyard mechanics. Uh, anything make it into your C D C deck from Amoket?
1: You know, I haven't even I haven't had the chance yet, but certainly cards are going to. Uh, are going to make it in? I don't know what they are yet. I, I've literally so, yeah. just been honestly the week between the pre-release and the release weekend is normally where I start making like, adjustments to my commander deck. But all I did was draft because I'm not <laughs> online, so like drafting just occupied all of yeah. my all of my mind space for Magic for that week, and it was great.
0: So I'm draft pro again pro con like it love it or like it hate it. Uh, very
1: very strong like for it okay yeah, yeah you know love is a strong term that we were for, for, you know ish, and, strong, uh, and, right, yeah. and, and champions of Kamigawa which is one of my <laughs> favorite draft sets of all time but uh, but really very, very strong very strong you know yeah. like you know I, 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 I'm really enjoying drafting the set there's a couple things that you know, or, or like, whoa, that was fast. Yeah. <laughs> slow down, slow down. down. Uh, and I haven't gotten to do any of the cool, you know, quote-unquote dirty things yeah. in, in this format. I have, most of the success I've had has been yeah. with really aggressive strategies, so, which is not necessarily where I love being when I
0: play So you just finished up a draft. What deck did you draft?
1: Uh, I drafted in a blue, red, spellsy deck. Yeah. Okay. Um. Mm. It's it's pretty good. I, I, Marshall and I were sitting next to each other, mm. and we both ended up in the same. <laughs> deck. So we're both we're like, and we're on the same team. Okay. You know, we do random teams after the draft. And we're like, well, this is incredibly awkward. <laughs> we're both in the same exact deck. We don't really have enough lands. Yeah. Now we both need the same lands too. And, yeah. Uh, you know, one of us could have had an insane deck. But uh, instead, but instead we both have pretty good decks. But it was, it's. It's fine. Okay. The set seems deep enough, though. Tired. You know, it's hard to get really cut ahead. All right.
0: Um, if you were going to play in a standard tournament, like, let's say you were playing in GP Montreal instead of doing coverage, what would you play? Uh,
1: White Black Zombies. Okay. Uh, White Black Zombies is uh, didn't didn't have a success in the top eight, but if you look at the numbers, it's a deck that has a really good matchup against Model Black Zombies, and it's a deck that has a lot of game against Etherworks Marvel. Yeah. So, um, you know, English on making is an incredibly powerful card. Uh, you have the ability to play the truest form of who's the beat down with it. Yeah. You know, you really just get to um, completely dictate this pace of your play. You can be like, oh, I'm just gonna play all these creatures out. I'm gonna just, just, you know, go crazy screaming and you know, fast zombies from you know, tw- yeah. <laughs> 28 yeah. days. Or sometimes you play slow zombies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you
0: know, you play Diagraph colossus. You, know, old, you
1: go old school. Uh, you know, dawn of the dead. Yeah. With slow zombies. And you draw some extra cards, and you just build up this, you surround the house, and eventually you overwhelm, and you just destroy your opponent.
0: Alright, Brian, thank you for your time.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Really appreciate it.
0: John back with Brian, David, Marshall. We just cracked a pack of Amonkhet. Brian, how's it sound?
1: It sounds good. I I think there's a lot of potential in this pack. what do we have? Alright, we're going to start off with Sacred Cat. Uh, oh my gosh! Look at this. The First two cards are two of the most controversial cards oh, no. early on in this draft format. Both one drops: Sacred Cat and Bloodlust Insider. This is a card that you know traditionally, uh, you know, very uh, spiky Magic players would veer away from. Oh yeah. And uh,
0: I remember and, looking at it and being like, "This card is not good."
1: Yeah, it was. It was given, I think, an unplayable on the on yeah. the Limited Resources podcast, and you know historically a, a pretty safe prediction to make, but, you know, it turns out a lot of teams and a lot with so much access to drafting Magic, magic online, people have been able to really lower their curve. You've seen people playing a bunch of these, and the Sacred Cats, which is also a card that seems, you know, in a... Uh, with, outside of the context of Amonkhet. Yeah. You know, underwhelming. But yeah, both cards worth noting. Uh, Benefaction of Ronus, not really interested in that. Uh, Pitiless Vizier. Something that I, I, don't, I don't think I want to take with my first pick here. Cartouche of Ambition. Now we're getting into it. Yeah, I'm pretty interested in it. Love, I love any of the cartouche packages. and you know This one's just really good even if you don't have any trials to return with it. It's just you get to take out a creature and then you know make a creature into a lifelinker. Give it a little extra power and toughness. And this can really swing a game. Yep. Great and black-white, great and black-green. Uh, this is the card I've got sort of shuffled to the front of the pack for me right now. Uh, Shimmer Scale Drake, card I, I, I like, but I'm never going to pick early. Uh, Cradle of the Accursed, cool if you can pick it up uh, for a zombie deck.
0: Would you play it in, in a non-zombie deck?
1: Probably not, like, depends on my mana base. Like, maybe if I was close to one common, I might play it as just a free creature yeah. spell. But uh, not something I'm really uh, looking to do. Alasher Cultivator, again, not something I want to do. Okay, here, got a couple cards right here Ooh, now. Oh, man. As we get towards the uncommon, the last common in the pack is Electrify. Yep. And so far the best card I think we've seen in this pack probably gonna probably gonna take that, but I do love a warfire javelinier. Talked about blue red before. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> I, like I have a I have a story for about Warfire Javelinier for you. So I was playing a blue red deck against Blue Green splashing Liliana. Yeah. Uh, they have a little, they play Liliana, they plus her or whatever, and then they pass the turn. I cast Lay Claim on their Liliana, use her minus three to reanimate Warfire Javelinier oh, nice. to kill their quarry hauler leaving me with three creatures and then having an O2 Naga Oracle, a 1-2 Naga Vilas, and some other stupid creature. And they're just like staring at their cards and just going, why uh, you, me?
1: You guarantee me that I'm going to get a lowly <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely going to take this. Uh, I'm probably taking Electrify over yeah. Warfire Javelin here, but I really, really like it. Uh, there's a Strider. funnily enough, this is a card I still haven't really played with. I don't end up Blackfire, when I'm black I'm zombies and I don't have a lot of room for non-zombies. Yeah. Perfectly fine to me, but yeah. not something I've played with. Uh, here's a card that you really like. Yes. You just
0: mentioned it. Lake Lame. I've had many double Lake Claim decks. And yeah. Are,
1: yeah. it's just, especially when you start getting uh, starting to go deep with the the four or five color deck where you have the Gifts of Paradise. Well, my favorite Lake
0: Claim deck was I had uh, blue red with double Sweltering Suns, Lake Claim, double Sacred Excavation, just a bunch of other like silly cyclers, and just oh, that was so much fun. Yeah. Uh, but
1: you know what? This whole pack has been moot because I already saw the rare.
0: I, I took a glimpse of it too. And I don't think anything. Beats oh, there's it. actually. Well, oh.
1: first of all, I didn't know there was a foil on the back. This we didn't a, count the commons. This is a double bloodlust insider pack. <laughs> Someone's going to be very happy <laughs> or very confused. It's going to be very confused. Yeah, I'm, but but again, we are going red. Yeah, but it's going to be the rare. It's insult to injury. This card is just absurd. I don't think I fully appreciated it the first couple times I saw it. I don't. Many people did. Uh, but then, you know, I was getting these more and more aggressive red-white decks, and I saw it, and I opened it, and I'm like, I think I, I, I want to be red-white. I want to be really aggressive. I think I'm going to trust first pick this. I remember actually texting Marshall. Yeah. I'm like, Marshall, what do you think? He's like, oh, I think that card's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, turns out it's way better than that. It's yeah. just absurd. You know, on the front half, 2 and an R So sorcery damage can't be prevented this turn. If a sorcery control would deal damage this turn, it deals double that damage instead. And then on the back side of it, injury, uh, you get to deal 2 damage to target creature and 2 damage to target player. So if you have 6 mana and a pretty healthy board, you can clear something out of the way dealing. deal up to four, you get to deal four to your opponent because everything's damage, double, and then all your creatures, you know, if you've gone wide in, like, a red-white deck, all your creatures are dealing double
0: damage. What's the most Three. damage you've seen an insult effectively deal?
1: I, I, I've killed people from, like, 25, 27, <laughs> um, having done, like, almost nothing to them, just setting yeah. up a big turn, and just, like, you know, getting their, like, total down yes. to, like, negative eight. Yeah. Um, pretty pretty ridiculous. I, I'm definitely
2: taking insult to injury.
0: All right, awesome, thanks Brian. John here sitting with Maria Bertholdi. It is about like two hours after the Pro Tour, how are you feeling?
2: My nerves are completely (laughs) frayed. Let me tell you, um, it's my first time doing the news desk at the Pro Tour, previously only Spotted, and that job (laughs) is extraordinarily difficult. Mad props to Rich Hagen, who does it and makes it look easy. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm serious. Like it is a major stress factory. but at the same time, like it's a great privilege obviously to be able to do it and work with such great people.
0: Yeah. Uh, how did prepping for the pro tour change versus like the spotting and instead being on the news desk?
2: Sure. Well, I had to prep a lot for Grand Prix Richmond, which was one week before the Pro Tour. Right. It was all limited. And limited is my jam, right? Yes. So um, I love doing that. I studied the set like a madman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just went over and over. I had the album for cards, and I just literally memorized every single little thing about them. The thing is, even when you do that, you sometimes mess up. But, um, GP Richmond got me into shape as far as that was concerned. And then I did some studying up on the teams, because that is more uh, what we focus on at the news desk. Um, But there's kind of no way to really prepare for standard. Like You can kind of take a guess and talk to some of the top teams and be like, what are you thinking? But you really don't know as soon as the tournament starts what's going to come out on top and what's going to come out on bottom. And when you're at the desk, it's actually really, really difficult to watch any of the pro tours. (laughs) So you're kind of flying by the seat of your pants.
0: Um, Now, you're most known for being one half of Magic the Amateuring. Yes. Uh, How did you and uh, Megan get into podcasting?
2: So I, before um, I started Magic the Amateuring, I worked in radio for a number of years and then transitioned to TV, which is basically the worst form of radio, (laughs) let's be honest. Uh, But I had all the gear, right? So um, once we started playing Magic, we realized that Magic podcasts were a thing that people did. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well you know, I've got stuff to record, let's make a show, there's a hole, I think, in the market in that there's not a show geared at beginners, there's not a show that's uh, specifically comedy, and there's not a show that's hosted by women. So we were like, we cornered that hole in the market and we just went for it.
0: Okay. Um, Do you have a favorite episode of MTA?
2: I absolutely do. So besides the two musical episodes, which Which are episode 100-200, my favorite episode is Psy, which is our episode on women and magic. And it's really, really important to me because it all kicked off after Megan wrote a fantastic article for Star City Games about uh, being a woman playing magic. And it got kind of a sort of bit of a firestorm in the community. This several years ago now. And we released an episode after that about that article, the firestorm it created, It was one of the toughest two weeks of my life, for sure, after that came out. But I'm so very proud of what happened because of all of that, right? It was so hard. We had so many difficult discussions. We had to, you know, live with the fact that you can't change everybody's mind, that, you know, (laughs) some people are just going to dislike you for basically, you know, how you came out of the womb, essentially. And, um, you know, we, we did end up, you know... Some people said, oh, you opened my eyes. I said, never thought of it this way, which makes me feel great. But also, I think we really kicked off the start of women on coverage. Yes. Because in that article, we said, this is what needs to happen. And in that podcast, we said, this is what needs to happen. And it started a conversation that I think led to where we are today.
0: Right. Um, now, obviously, we've had Gabby as a commentator, yeah. and you've been on the news desk. Um, what is this, What more needs to happen for it to be... I guess the even playing field that you want to see.
2: Well, um, you know, it would make me extraordinarily happy to have two women commentating in the booth. And I think this is something that could happen, it Mm -hmm. just needs to be the right pairing of people, right? You can't just throw any two people together and expect the chemistry (laughs) and everything to sparks to fly and all the rest of it. So that's the kind of a goal for me. And just to get enough women playing that are qualifying for the pro tour and enough women who are interested in ending up on the other side of the camera, feel knowledgeable and confident about broadcasting, about the game, whatever, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that we just are able to saturate more of that space with women because visibility is so important to inclusion. And I think there are a lot of really great, talented women out there, yeah. uh, including players and personalities that it is not something that I'm reaching for. It's not saying, let's just put these people in because they're unqualified. That is absolutely not the case. We have plenty of people who are 100% qualified to do those jobs, to play magic that well, number one, and to commentate magic that well. Right. It's just a matter of getting them in those positions.
0: Now Ian and I fully support you know, raising and elevating up um, the less represented in our community. Uh, what can people like us do to help try to raise that disability?
2: I think it's just being a positive supporter and being vocal about it. So if it's something you want to see, you need to let, you know, essentially the the people at the top know because otherwise they won't. Um, You change the status quo by being loud and making noise and saying this is something that we think is important, this is something that makes the game better. Uh Like, I'm not saying let's do this just to do it. I'm not saying let's do this because we're not qualified. I'm saying this makes the experience better for everybody involved in the game. And if you believe that, too, uh, be a supporter, raise your voice, and support uh, underrepresented communities in and all spheres of your life, really. Right.
0: Okay. Uh, moving on, uh, one of my favorite segments that you guys do is Cutest Card. <laughs> now, I regrettably have not listened to many of the recent episodes. Have you done your Cutest Card from Mom yet? Kay yet? Yes.
2: yes. What yes. was it? It was Sacred Cat.
0: Why, well, I'm not surprised.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of a shoo-in. I mean, <laughs> uh, Sacred Cat, so cute, cross little paws. Um, I really also love the weird zombie crab that's on Strugglesand. Mmm, yeah. Or snake, or whatever, that nobody can seem to agree the with. The one coming it. out of the water? Yes. Yeah. But unfortunately, my stipulation is that it has to be the focus of the card. And
0: that's not and the focus. And that's
2: not the focus. So, it is Sacred Cat.
0: Uh, grossest card in
2: the set? Megan chooses grossest oh, card. I'm, God, I wanted her to choose Nest of Scarabs, but she <laughs> didn't. I can't remember what she chose. Megan, what was Gross's card? Almond cat Ness of Scarabs. I think Ness of Scarabs. Are you? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Megan <laughs> Megan thinks Ness of scarabs, so maybe I, maybe it was Ness of scarabs.
0: I mean, story checks out. Okay. Um more on the funny line. Would you rather fight one emeracle sized boggle?
2: Yeah. Or a
0: hundred boggle sized emeracles?
2: Um definitely 100 boggle-sized Emrakos for sure, because I can just step on them and squish.
0: Yeah.
2: basically are basically already a sloopy little squid thing, so... Yeah,
0: jellyfish don't really have a lot of no. interior uh, yeah. build-up. Um, moving on to just kind of general Amaka stuff. How have you been enjoying Draft?
2: I think this is a fantastic Draft format. r really nailed it with a lot of the mechanics. Cycling is incredible. I've mm-hmm. never played with Cycling before. I'm kind of a proponent of making it evergreen <laughs> and sprinkling it throughout sets uh, as we move forward. I don't think that's going to happen, but Embalm and Aftermath 2 also play really well in, with the graveyard and kind of smoothing out mana issues that players might have, which I think is one of the biggest complaints people often have about the game. Yeah. So if we can find out, you know, figure out fun and interesting ways to alleviate that kind of stuff through a mechanic, I think that's super cool design space exploration. And um, there's lots of viable archetypes yeah. um, in Omket as well, which really excites me.
0: Uh, what's your favorite dra- deck to draft?
2: So <laughs> I just drafted red-green Smash Your Face over okay. here. Um, so I don't know if that's the best <laughs> <stereotype. laughs> um, Red-white, I think, is... Um, I, I still want to draft uh, Enigma Drake spells, which I haven't yet done. So I'm going to say that's my favorite. Uh, I've seen it, obviously. Yeah. And I've been like, every time I've seen it go off, it's been incredible. I mean, was
0: it was round one we saw what an 11 power Enigma Drake? Yes,
2: Martin Yusa's deck was... My dreams, and I want to <laughs> live Martin Hughes' real life. Uh,
0: I was telling BDM about the deck I had. I had Lake uh, Lane, double sweltering suns, double sacred excavation, a, we- a like an enigma Drake. It was it was a miracle. It was beautiful. Um, so, obviously, we're right at the end of the Pro Tour. Yes. What was your favorite thing you saw this weekend?
2: 100%, it was Christian Calcano's interview when he knew that he was in the top eight. He, you know, he broke down on camera with BDM and Rich and I were sitting up there at the news desk and just immediately all started crying. And it was, you know, we were like, oh, you know, how are we going to go on air in, like, 30 seconds? Like, it was so wonderful too because earlier that day I had said to Christian he was up doing some kind of interview I was like Christian tell me about your six slitherblade Blade deck and he was like yeah it had six slitherblades. Blades I was like oh man did you give me a whole in that deck and he was like no I wish I was looking for it and then and he proceeded to tell me the whole story of his draft yeah. like that sounds like a little thing but not a lot of pro-, pro players will take that time to actually come up and be really excited and tell you the story of their draft wow like he's just a great guy who loves magic after the Pro Tour, after he got kicked out of the shopping, he was outside of the venue playing magic on the floor. Yep. So, like, I love that stuff.
0: Yep. So, we have a little time left. Let's do an Amaket crack pack. All right, let's do it I pulled out a Oketra pack. Oh,
2: thank you.
0: I think that's appropriate.
2: Yes, it is. Okay, what am I looking for? Uh,
0: we are looking for Masterpieces. Oh, alright. So, let, let, let's hope you're lucky.
2: Alright, a Cartouche of Knowledge, fan bearer. Giant Spider, Hyena Path, Hooded Brawler, it's not got bad. got a Labyrinth Guardian here. Ooh. It's our first Uncommon, Synchronized Strike, Blowout City, Trial of Knowledge, pretty good. Neheb the Worthy is our rare. I like Neheb, Ractose Color. So, oh, yeah. sorry, no no. Um, ah, darn it. invocation for you.
0: So what but, would you take out of this pack?
2: Um, Let's see, what am I taking? Good gravy I'm supposed to take aggressive cards, right? I'm supposed <laughs> to just take, like, Fanberry. <laughs> no, is fan not very aggressive. Um... Man, it's so hard to, you know, deny my Rakdos roots because that's what I want to take. I'm probably going to take, maybe I could live the Blue Red Spells Dream and take Trial of Knowledge.
0: That would be the that would be the fun pick.
2: All right, I'm doing it. Trial uh, of Knowledge.
0: Boom, got there. <laughs> All right, Maria, thank you for your time. Thank you. And that does it for uh, this suite of Pro Tour talk. Uh, once again, thanks to BDM and Maria for taking time at the end of their incredibly tiring week to talk to me. Uh, if you want to find either of them on Twitter, you can find uh, Maria at MTA Cast, and you can find uh, BDM at Top Eight Games. That's eight with a uh, with a numeral. Uh, if you want to see how Ian's doing, you can find him on Twitter at Dixon I J. He's also on Twitch by the handle Dix D I X. Uh, don't hesitate to say hi if you see him or myself in the chat. Uh, I'm on Twitter at jwiley129 and in Twitch at J, or as jwiley129 as well. If you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so on Twitter at eyesandthemize. Or if you have a more personal question, you can shoot us an email at eyesandthemize at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time.